My jungle will lure you in, with paths that are deceptively apparent, and secrets that will never be uncovered. Silver starlight may show you the way, shape-shifting shadows will lead you astray. So open your eyes, I shall show you a world etched deep in my mind, and free from your kind. Only the greatest explorers of the unknown, those who are willing to lose themselves can unravel the enigma. For the essence of the jungle lies not in being found, but in getting lost. Welcome to Thorn's Jungle. How's it going everyone? Welcome to another episode of Thorn's Jungle. I uh, hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, I went to a mate's uh, birthday do in the city and I hadn't drank alcohol in like six weeks. Uh, so let's just say I got very, very inebriated. <laughs> uh, and that would be an understatement. I got smashed. Uh, so it'll probably be another six weeks before I drink again, I reckon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm starting to get back into the hang of doing weekly episodes. Um, getting, I mean, it takes a while to form a habit, but the habit is forming and I'm finding myself excited to do these episodes every week. And I hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which was all about primates. Uh, this week's episode is going to be about Amazonian fish. Uh, probably not all Amazonian fish because there's like thousands of species. <laughs> so I'm just going to focus on sort of the, mo the more well-known ones, uh, the more freaky ones, the more huge ones, uh, and sort of talk about what makes them so damn weird and what the hell's going on in the Amazon that makes these crazy underwater monsters. So before we get into that, uh, if you're looking for merchandise, uh, so like Biothorn merchandise, Biothorn's sort of my company that is a range of, you know, we do clothes, we do the th leather thigh pouches that I wear in Kings of Pain, um, you know, it's sort of my brand. So if you want anything uh, Biothorn-wise, then go on to biothorn.com.au uh, and check out the store. Okay, Amazonian fish. Now, when I say Amazonia or the Amazon, I'm not necessarily talking about the Amazon River because the Amazon River runs through the vast majority of Amazonia, but just because you're in the Amazon doesn't necessarily mean you're on the Amazon River because there are hundreds, if not thousands, of tributaries and other rivers that branch off from the main Amazon River. And there's also another massive river there called the Rio Negro. And so when I say Amazonia, I mean the Amazon rainforest, and that covers basically every country in South America uh, until you start getting over to the west and you're hitting like the Andes Mountains. But the Am Amazonia includes Brazil, which is also called the gateway to the Amazon, because uh, a lot of people 
enter the Amazon River through Manaus, which is in Brazil. But Amazonia covers Brazil, Bolivia, Colombia, Ecuador, uh, Guyana, Peru, Suriname, Venezuela. Uh, the Amazon rainforest reaches all those countries. So when I say Amazon, I mean the Amazon rainforest, and it is vast. Not as vast as it should be, though, because of all the illegal logging, but it's a big-ass rainforest. And the river is enormous as well. Uh, I spent... Where, where I was was in Bolivia, on the Beni River, which is... It's, it's a river that... I mean, the, the water in that river is from the Amazon River. It's a tributary of the Amazon. If you keep following that river, you eventually hit the Amazon. Um, and obviously that was in Bolivia which is in Amazonia. Um, and that's when I experienced uh, the first of the weird and probably the most famous Amazonian fish. And that's, of course, the piranha. So when, whenever you think of the Amazon, whenever people think of Amazonia, Amazon, river, water, they'll immediately think of piranha. Uh, more precisely, the red-bellied piranha. Because you've seen a bunch of movies. Obviously, when they're in the jungle, they, you know, fall into a pond, and next minute they come out as skeletons. You know, it's been in every jungle movie you can think of. Piranha flying out the water at people. Something falls in the river. You just see the water boiling over. That's piranha. You know, basically stripping everything down to bone within a matter of seconds or minutes. Now, actually tell a lie, my first experience with piranha wasn't in the Amazon, it was in Malaysia. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I was at, was it Malaysia? Might have been, might have been, well actually, I think it was Bali, to be honest. It was in Indonesia. And I was at this uh, fish place, aquarium, um, and they had red belly piranhas in this big aquarium, this big tank. And there's no lid on this tank. So, me being me, and I know sort of what prompts piranhas to attack, I went and chucked my hand into the piranha tank. And these were big ass red belly piranhas. Like, as big as red belly piranhas could get. They were enormous. And they just didn't give a shit. They didn't care my arm was in there. So, when but this falsehood about piranhas attacking everything and humans is just that. It is a falsehood, but there is some truth behind it, as they will attack people when under very rare circumstances. And the circumstances have to be perfect for them to do that. Uh, one of the examples are in the dry season, when a lot of the water has receded, and now there's just kind of small, segregated, isolated ponds where there'll be a high number of piranha isolated in these ponds because they can't escape into the main river systems. Uh, food is going to be scarce and there's going to be a lot of competition for food in those little ponds. So the moment something falls in there or enters there, the piranhas are going to go apeshit for it. So... What will happen is if that happens to a person where there are high numbers of piranha in a certain waterway and 
it's an unusually dry season and food is scarce and they are, are isolated, then yeah, piranha will attack people. But still, it's very rare and it doesn't happen that often. A lot of times when they pull bodies out of the river and they've been stripped bare by piranha, it's because the person's already dead. They're not alive. Uh, but I'm not taking away from piranha that they are voracious predators and they are bloody awesome and those teeth are insane. But when Caveman and I got bitten by the piranhas in Bolivia for Kings of Pain, we had to try very hard to get bitten. You know, we had this wicked aquarium full of decent-sized piranha and we hadn't fed them for a few days to try and get them, you know, get their feeding response high. Uh, but still, nothing. We covered our arms in uh, blood, uh, cow blood, still nothing. They just didn't, didn't care. They didn't want to bite us. Now, a lot of that's due to the stress of them being from the river now in a tank uh, that you know that sort of inhibits feeding responses with a lot of animals so that would be one scenario uh, the stress of it all but you know we had to actually pick them up and shove them on our arms for them to bite us and yeah it hurt and I mean a hundred of them going at you it would do a lot of damage but piranhas uh, they're not as insane as you think they are. Still insane and still potentially will eat a person, but it's that rare and the circumstances will be that hard to come by where it would be very uncommon and you'd be very unlucky to get eaten by a piranha. <laughs> um, so speaking of man-eaters, uh, that brings us on to our next fish. And the Amazon's weird and just to put things into perspective when it comes to uh, why some of these fish look so weird is because they don't need to be colourful, they don't need to be bright and really nice patterns because the Amazon is murky, alright? So eyesight in these rivers uh, that you know come off of the Amazon throughout Amazonia are murky. So animals don't really rely so much on their eyesight. Uh, so if it's attracting a mate or trying to scare off a predator, being brightly coloured wouldn't really do much because the predator or the potential mate wouldn't even be able to see you. So they develop very strange things like the, like the catfish, for example. Their barbels, which are the sort of antenna and whiskers that you see on catfish, they grow enormous because they are so sensitive to touch and electromagnetic uh, reception where they really need big ones to navigate these murky waters and to feel and touch their surroundings. Uh, that's why um, the Amazonian river dolphins have such large melons on their heads. So the melon is when you see these dolphins is like the big bulb on the front of their head, it's called the melon, and that is for acoustics and um, sonar. So, if you look at a ship with big sonar equipment, they have those massive big bulbs at the front underneath the, the hull of the ship. That's uh, basically the same thing, and Amazonian river dolphins are basically blind. They rely purely on that echolocation underwater. 
Um, and it's the same with a lot of the Amazonian fish as well. Um, another example of catfish in the Amazon is the Piraiba. And apart from the red-tailed catfish, the Piraiba is probably the most famous of the catfish in the Amazon just because it is so damn big. It's huge. Uh, like, man-sized. And there's even reports of them having swallowed humans or like tried to swallow humans i think there's been cases of them swallowing infants and trying to swallow full-grown men there was a river monsters episode with the piraiba where there was apparently half like a one was found with half a dude sticking out its mouth and jeremy wade actually caught a giant one like massive these things are very shark-like in anatomy, you know, they do have the dorsal fin and the pectoral fins uh, and the shark-like caudal fins, very similar to a shark. And, you know, you can see why they've evolved like that because they are predators and they need to be so streamlined like that. But they also have the very long barbels for navigating under the murky water of the Amazon region. Um, so the Piraiba is one of so many catfish in the Amazon and you get real beautiful catfish as well catfish which have like amazing zebra patterns uh, catfish that you know can range from tiny little things that you have in your home aquarium to the huge piraiba even the red-tailed catfish are enormous and they're beautiful fish they're probably one of the uh, Amazonian fish that actually do have quite a bit of color on them a big red uh, tails on their caudal fins um, and I mean red belly piranhas obviously have the red on their belly but it's not really a standout-ish thing for them you know they're not like marine fish where they you know they rely on that um, aposematism it's called which is the more colorful and beautiful I am generally means I'm venomous or poisonous leave me alone uh, a lot of the Amazonian fish don't really rely on that because the predators won't see them under that under the water. Um, so yeah, Amazon's a pretty crazy place. And and another weird thing about freshwater environments are and freshwater fish is there are about the same species of freshwater fish on the planet than there is marine fish. So fish in the ocean. Now considering that. Uh, fresh water on earth makes up less than one percent of all water on the planet that is a lot of freshwater fish species confined to such a small area and that is why freshwater environments like creeks streams rivers ponds lakes are so important and not just for the fish that live in them but also all the, the wildlife that live around those wetlands or around the, the river systems um, so that, that is crazy, crazy important that we need to sort of look after our freshwater environments because it houses, not, I mean, not just fish, you know, we'll get into another Amazonian episode of other animals that live under the river, but we'll do that another time. Now we're focusing on weird ass Amazonian fish. And that brings us to, uh, probably the grossest freshwater Amazonian fish. And that is the kangaroo. Now, you've probably heard of this fish, 
Uh, it's the dick fish. I'll just put it out there. It's the fish that swims up your dick. Uh, I mean, you don't really hear about it swimming up women's genitals, up the vagina that often, but it definitely goes up the dick. That's what you hear about the most. Um, so it's a small, relatively small fish. Not as small as a man would like it to be. But, I mean, they can measure like six to eight inches. So, yeah, that's that's a tight squeeze. Well, not for me, but it's a tight squeeze. And for a long time, it was sort of like a myth that these fish will swim up your urine stream. They don't swim up your... Like, so, for example, you're not going to be standing on the dry riverbank peeing into the river and this fish like a salmon swimming up a waterfall swims up your pee stream and into your uh, into your dick eye that, that, that doesn't happen it's when you're in the river uh, bathing or whatever and you're not wearing jocks and you take a leak and it's uh, the fish are attracted to the urea and the ammonia that comes out of the that's in the pee and they will eventually what well what they do for uh you know, how they survive and how they feed is they swim into the gill slits of fish and suck the blood on the uh, gill fans on those uh, exposed blood vessels. And it's sort of like the same. They think that they're swimming into a nice little warm nook where they can, uh, you know, get some blood. And yeah, they'll get some blood, all right. They'll get some dick blood. <laughs> so, yeah, for a long time, it was a myth. It's like, well, there's no confirmed uh, cases of this happening. But unfortunately, there absolutely is confirmed cases of this happening. Uh, so it does happen, and it has happened. Uh, I think one one time of it happening is enough, let alone, you know, there's been a few, and I've seen a few of the photos. And I tell you what, this one dude that they pulled the fish out of, it, it, ain't, it wasn't a small fish, you know. It was like the size of my finger. So I was like... How fast is this thing swimming into your into your Johnson? You know, like to not feel it and go, oh shit, and grab a hold of it and just stop it. Like it must be squirming quite a bit to get in there. But fortunately, they managed to save his member. You know, and by like pulling it out. But I tell you what, he'll be pissing and it'd be sounding like a bucket pouring out because he'd be that stretched open. I tell you what, poor bastard. So that's the kangaroo. Uh, that's, you know, if you're going in the Amazon, maybe just wear jocks. You know, you take a piss in there, but just wear jocks at least. And I, I would wear underwear anyway, because like, you know, your genitals flapping around in the water could look like a lure to other fish as well. So just just wear jocks, man. Simple. And yeah, so anyway, we'll move on from that because that's that's a rough one and there's not much more I can say about it. It swims up your dick, plain and simple. Uh, but the Amazon is known for freshwater fish, obviously. It's a freshwater river, but it does connect to the ocean. Guess what swims in the ocean? Sharks. And guess what sharks can swim in freshwater? That's right, bull sharks. Now, bull sharks uh, are one of only a very few 
sharks that can actually live in fresh water. The other one is like the glyphus sharks, which is super rare, um, but they are sort of like true freshwater sharks. The bull shark can live in the ocean and then also live, move into fresh water and live there for basically its entire life. Um, and believe it or not, they have been found in the Amazon. So people think that as if the Amazon isn't scary enough swimming in that water, you got piranha, you got dickfish, you've got giant uh, piraiba catfish that can swallow you. Uh, there is also sharks that could potentially be swimming around in there. And that's not to mention the caiman and anaconda. We'll get into that in another episode. But bull sharks. And there was a bull shark caught in Iquitos in Peru, right? And it was nearly 4,000 kilometers away from the ocean. So it was 4,000 kilometers up this river in fresh water and some dude pulls out a bloody bull shark. That is insane. But it is bull sharks are perfectly capable of doing that. So who would have known that you're in a flooded forest fishing and you're pulling a big dirty shark? How cool is that? That's, that's what I love about being uh, in the Amazon. You know, we were on very small boats and canoes, but just going through there and just the unknown of what is under that black water. There is a million things under there, literally a million things under there under that water and like when you're on that the water systems of the Amazon um, it looks like a jungle that's been flooded it's not like you're in a river that is uh, surrounded by canyons or, or gorges uh, it looks like you're walking through a jungle that's just been downpoured with rain and then flooded and now you're floating on a boat and that, that was like one of my favorite thoughts uh, when I saw the Bolivian river dolphins. Uh, these Bolivian river dolphins, uh, they're probably one of my favorite animal, animals now. It's probably one of my favorite animals I've ever seen in the wild. Uh, so they are a subspecies of the um, Amazonian river dolphin, the pink river dolphins. Uh, they're Enia, uh, what are they? Enia jeffrensis boliviensis is the scientific name of the oh, the Bolivian Amazon, Bolivian river dolphin. And they are a subspecies because they're separated by some rapids that they that has isolated them from the from the just the Enia jeffrensis, the normal Amazon river dolphin. But just seeing them swimming around this flooded forest, it they just even though they're in the water, they just still look out of place because it's like walking down to your local park, filling it with water, and next minute there's dolphins swimming around. Like, it, it is so cool. And just the thought of that was just really cool. And I'm going to get into this dolphin thing in another episode because they deserve their own episode. They, they were just amazing. And I saw them nearly every day I was there. And it was just like a dream. I just, I was obsessed with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, so this, we've done Piranha, Piraiba. There's also the, uh, what's it called? Oh, the vampire fish. Now, when I say vampire fish, that can uh, be related to 
loads of fish in the Amazon. I think the kangaroo, the dig fish, is also called the vampire fish. But it's the uh, payara. Payara is the one I'm talking about. Now, if you want to Google a picture of this fish, the payara, P-A-Y-A-R-A, I think it is, it's insane. It's this very streamlined fish, almost reminiscent of a tarpon, uh, but the teeth on it are practical joke sized. Like the two bottom canine teeth are like like saber tooth tiger teeth, but flipped upside down. It, it, they're bloody bullshit. They're insane. And these fish will eat fish that are almost the same size as them. It, it is nuts. I mean, you look at it and you're like, that'll have a hard time biting me. It couldn't open its mouth wide enough to to get that around me, surely. But they they do. They they they're predators. And those teeth are doing something. So the payara is another crazy Amazonian river fish. And now we're on to probably one of the second most famous river fish in the Amazon, and that's the Arapaima. Now, the Arapaima was once believed to be the biggest freshwater fish in the world. Like, and that that's getting to sizes of like 9 to 10 feet in length. Um, it's actually quite a nice looking fish. When we're talking about colourful fish in the Amazon, it, it is a colourful fish for the Amazon, even though it's not that colourful, but it's kind of dark silvery on the top, getting a bit lighter towards the bottom, but the tail has this really beautiful red sort of flushing that's going on in there. Uh, so orangey red, kind of like sunbeam red. It's quite a beautiful fish. Um, and they are predators, of course. What isn't a predator in the Amazon? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they are huge Amazonian predatorial fish. And the cool thing with Arapaima, uh, they're also called Piraku in different parts of the Amazon, but we'll just call them Arapaima. Um, they are air breathers. So they do have gills and they can obviously breathe underwater, but they also have lungs, like a primitive lung where they could take gulps of air. And this is super beneficial for them in parts of the Amazon where when it dries up, they could be isolated in pools and ponds that after a while, the oxygen will run out. So they can no longer rely on their gills to get oxygen. They need to take gulps of air. And you can have like a seven foot arapaima in a tiny little pond or several in this tiny little pond and they will live. They'll survive because they won't run out of air because they can take gulps of air. That's such a handy thing to have in very seasonal and tidal waterways uh, where there is potential to be isolated and trapped. Yeah, let me just take a gulp of this delicious Pepsi Max. Ugh. Whew, that's good. Um, no sugar, of course. Got to be sugar-free. But the arapaima is another fish in the Amazon that's been sort of blamed for killing people. And it's not necessarily that they're predating on people. Actually, it's not that they're predating on people at all. It's the fact that they have a tendency to jump out of the water if hooked or if threatened. 
and a fish that can be like 200 pounds or like, you know, close to 100 kilos, jumping out of the water with power and speed and hitting you, it is going to do a crap load of damage. And the head on these bad boys, like the mug on these fuckers are like pure dense bone. Like this big ass thick bony plate. So if they're flying through the air, wiggling that head around and manage to clock you across the head, yeah, that that's like a KO from Mike Tyson straight across the noggin. Um, but they also torpedo, and they can torpedo straight into your chest, into your face, into your head. They can knock you off your boat. They can knock you unconscious into the water, and that's a death sentence right there. So these fish generally are harmless if you're swimming around with them but also if you're in the water with them and they get spooked then they can torpedo you underwater uh, but they're not doing it to try and eat, kill and eat you they're doing it just to say hey get the hell away from me I'm bigger than you and I'm going to mess you up uh, but bigger arapaima in the Amazon are becoming rarer and rarer because a lot of people used to catch them as prized fish um, now they're starting to farm them so there are still a few big ones out there because it's taking less pressure, it's taking pressure off the wild ones, uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, my first experience with arapaima was in was in Malaysia, and it was Malaysia, it wasn't Bali, it was Malaysia. The piranha was Bali, this one's Malaysia. Um, and we were at an aquarium, uh, and I saw them swimming around. I'm like holy crap, this is a freshwater aquarium and there's fish that size swimming around? Like, I mean, I was I was pretty young, maybe like 17 or 18. I wasn't too familiar back then with uh, Amazonian fish. Uh, so I was like fascinated by them and it said they were carnivorous. So all of a sudden I was like, oh wow, they must, you know, they could prey on people. Obviously, no, they don't. And just by looking at the mouth parts of them, they just don't have the mouth part to do that, uh, to predate people. Um, but it was just fascinating seeing these giants just chilling out, swimming around. Uh, and that's obviously when I, you know, done more research into them and learned about them and realized they were, they're actually really cool fish and they breathe air and yeah, they're dope. And, you know, they're not, not necessarily known as the largest freshwater fish anymore because there are a few fish that have like surpassed the size and weight of them so if i think fish like the um uh, mekong giant catfish and i think the wells catfish has been accurately measured at longer and heavier than the arapaima now but in saying that there's no doubt that the arapaima is one of the biggest freshwater fish on the planet you could say that without any argument and it's a cool ass fish and the amazon is a cool ass place and i'm going to do another episode about the amazon as well um about you know uh, fish animals that live in the water or around the water that aren't the fish and there are some dope ones and how's that for timing the dogs have just started going ape shit normally that happens halfway through the podcast episode but they've been polite enough to wait till the end So on that note, I'll see you next week on Thorn's Jungle. Have a great week, everyone.